Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi there. I want to talk to you about Doug. You, you're okay. This one, real fucking up. Okay, this is not now. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. Oh, you're from the neighborhood. You're right. Well, that's not entirely true. I came to see you, but where are the paperweights? That's what I want to see now. It's just torture and murder. No platinum characters. Very, very realistic. I think it's what's next. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learn about Cuba. A toast, to toast, my friends, to our health and cheer and happiness. Otto, let the ritual begin. Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, I am your host, joined as ever by my co-host Andrew, good evening. Good evening! How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, my friend. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And we are covering a, a, a doozy here on the Cult Film Companion Podcast. We are dipping our toes into two cult favorites Bruce Campbell, of course, probably best known as for his role of Ash in the Evil Dead series, and uh, writer-director Don Coscarelli, probably best known for this movie that we're covering, and also the Phantasm horror franchise. We are talking about 2002's Baba Hotep. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Is interesting because it, it's one of the things that I found very interesting was Don Coscarelli's quote about when he was filling out applications to submit this movie to film festivals, you have to put a you have to check a box for the genre, and uh oh, yeah, I mean, this movie is a very dark comedy. There's elements of horror. It's a drama. It, this movie kind of has it all. It's mm -hmm. uh, Bubba, of course, refers to a redneck, good old boy, mm -hmm. southern kind of person. And uh, Hotep is a um, surname for uh, an Egyptian pharaoh. And uh, this movie is about Elvis, portrayed by Bruce Campbell, a man who thinks that he is... JFK, perf performed by Aussie Davis. The other uh, roles worth noting. There's not. This, this is very much kind of a, a a two, a well a three man show. We got Elvis, JFK, the Mummy, portrayed by Bob Ivy, and the other name worth noting is of course Ella Joyce as the the head nurse mm -hmm. in this movie. Uh, Bubba Hotep was written and directed by Don Coscarelli. It was adapted from the novella by Joe R. Lonsdale by the same name, which is contained in his book of short stories, The King is Dead, Tales of Elvis Postmortem, which, if you can track it down, is worth a read. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, collection of stories about what would what would happen if Elvis hadn't died when he died? And so so wait a minute. So there's more than one short story with this premise about Elvis being alive and doing his own thing. 
I haven't read it, uh, but from the title, I'm guessing yes. So um, that's the title of the collection of short stories. Yes, The King is Dead, Tales of Elvis Postmortem. Uh, there is... You, you know, yeah, go ahead. There was talks uh, when this movie became as popular as it did and it attained the level of cult status that it has of doing a sequel or at least a continuation or maybe a prequel, maybe not necessarily with the with the mummy. There is a joke about Elvis fighting vampires at the end of the movie. Well, and the sequel is Nosferatu, isn't it? it well, that was the talks. Okay, but it never happened? It never happened. But there was a sequel, wasn't there? I think there's a comic book sequel. A comic book uh, sequel. I think, th- I think that there are... Um, the, 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 this lore of Elvis fighting the undead, I think, has lived on. You know, I tried to get my mitts on the short story that this is based on, on Bubba Hotep, the the short story. Uh, and I thought maybe I could get it ordered and delivered before we recorded. It was, there was, there was I, I could only find one copy for about 60 or 70 bucks. Yeah. It's that, it's, it's, so it's that rare. It's, uh, Joe Lonsdale's kind of a, another cult, I would say cult author. If you have the, uh, blu-ray or dvd of the, of the the movie which i do there is lonsdale reading like the first scene of the movie um word for word from the book and just from that little taste and from the interviews with coscarelli and with um bruce campbell th- th- this is very much a very faithful adaptation almost word for word especially with the dialogue yeah um the only thing is there is a um, a narrator in the short story. There's also a narrator, which we just watched in the deleted scene. Right. They had a narration. They had a third-party narrator for the movie, a common, kind of an omnipotent you know, voice, and they took it out because it was too much, and I, I think it they is, were right in it, doing it's that. It's distracting because we already have the inner monologue of Elvis. That's right. And then to, to have another... Yeah. Voiceover. Like when we were watching the scene, it's almost like uh, competing voiceovers or dueling. Like they're having a conversation. It it takes you out of... I think it would work well if this was the audiobook version of the the story. But as far as the movie itself, with the visuals going on, and then to have two different different voiceovers, it's too much. And I think think I'm coming to learn that I prefer films without narration for the most part. The Blade Runner without narration, definitely. Um, I don't. I don't need to be spoon fed, you know, stuff. Uh, I. I would rather have the silence and just watch what's going on, and it's the take it show from there. Don't, the show don't tell. Yeah. Rule. I mean, yeah. Because film is an audiovisual medium. Yes. But you gotta. You gotta make sure that you're you're juggling the audio and the visual correctly. Yeah. And then you don't really need that extra expository, basically. Exactly. You know, which I I, I think I, I I like audiobooks. I like listening to performances of pieces with um, done just with audio wise and having different act voice actors portray different characters. But as far as an audio visual medium, yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm with you that I, I I don't need to be yeah. If I need to be spoon well, if I need to be spoon fed something through that much narration, you you might have picked the wrong medium to ex- 
to um, to express yourself, you know. Yeah. And I there's there's a movie Charles Grodin did uh, back in the seventies. Was kind of like a nifty whodunit th- thriller or something. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but they, I remember reading that they had put in a they test screened it, and then decided they were going to put in a narration. Brought Charles Grodin back to do the narration, and then I think ultimately they decided to take take out the narration. So it's like something Hollywood does on a regular basis. Yeah, and, it's um, I mean going back to our own show, uh, Dune, the David Lynch version. Oh right, we've got this huge exposition dump at the beginning of the movie that I oh that well I you hated about right right well, right, I, right. Yeah. let's not get into that. And uh, then Blade, like you mentioned, Blade Runner has there's I, there's got to be like half a dozen different cuts of the movie right some of which have the voiceover narration well and the thing with baba hotep is that there's so much of it that's inside the uh the the elderly home uh, that's so atmospheric that uh a narration would distract from that in my opinion as well too i mean i'd rather just watch them roaming around these halls and uh, figuring stuff out. Yeah, you know? and um, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk some Bubba Hotep. Uh, yeah. Just some of the technical notes. The cinematography was done by Adam Gennaro. It was edited by Scott J. Gill and Donald Milne. The music was done by Brian Tyler, who at the time was an up and coming composer and is now a, a pretty prominent name when it comes to um, uh, tracking movies musically, and. As mentioned, this this was this this started out as a very low budget independent movie. The original budget for this was only five hundred thousand dollars, which at the time was about one percent of an average big budgeted Hollywood movie, which is which is saying something. How much did it make? It grossed eventually over one point five million. Okay. And this is this movie is interesting because it it established itself as a cult movie even before it had wide distribution because there was only thirty two prints of this movie made. This movie was shot on film. Thirty two prints were made, and it was circulated amongst film festivals and through various different. And gained a lot of word of mouth. All of a sudden, uh, venues or festivals were. Uh, ordering advanced copies of it, knowing that there were only limited right. amounts of prints. You know, I think people kind of. I, I think a lot of the hook of the movie was to like Bruce Campbell as Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> fighting which, a mummy, which came into being uh, because uh, is it Castorelli? Am I saying that right? Coscarelli. Coscarelli. Coscarelli uh, had. Do, did you did you know about this about the Sam Raimi call? Cosca, I read this. I saw this interview uh, on YouTube. Coscarelli got uh, a call from Sam Raimi. Uh, he he um, he got a message that he had been, or he had gotten a voicemail from someone saying that, or no, that's what it was. Someone impersonating Sam Raimi called him and said, "Would you like to join me for this uh, screening of Close Encounters of the Third Kind?" And he thought that that was interesting. So he talked to Sam Raimi about it. Sam Raimi was like, I'm not doing that. I don't know who that was that called you. Right. But it started a conversation between the two of them. And uh, Casco- Cascarelli. Coscarelli. 
you know what? <laughs> Coscarelli, Coscarelli. Coscarelli then mentioned Bubba Hotep and uh, told him what it was about. And Sam Raimi said, oh, right away. He was like, you should get Bruce Campbell as Elvis. Right. And it stuck with Coscarelli. Um, he actually, you know, it kicked around in his head a little bit because he was thinking of doing someone who would actually be that age at that time, right. like a Robert Vaughn or something like that. It would That's, have been, I think, 67? Yeah, at the time. around 67 years old, they sure. Wanted, they, uh, the the and basis they, of and, the movie and, is uh, that yeah. Elvis had replaced himself, and this goes to the theme of the movie about fleeting fame and whatnot and not really appreciating what you have at the time, about Elvis trading places with an Elvis impersonator and um, eventually ending up in this, this retirement home in Texas. Yeah, it was like a Prince and the Pauper type of scenario right, where they right. traded places. Yeah, and it and it works. It totally works. You totally buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved Bruce Campbell as, as Elvis. Uh, and it's interesting that Ozzie Davis, who plays uh, John F. Kennedy, who's been dyed black, basically, is is the age that is the same age as JFK. Or yes, they were the born, same. They, they were born in the same year. Yeah. yeah. So you've got someone who is the age appropriate, uh, you know, actor for the character, and then you've got Bruce Campbell who is playing much older and has all that prosthetic makeup and two hours, two hours of prosthetic makeup for every day, huh? Every day. Woo! He had to. Sh he showed up uh, three hours before everyone, anybody else, showed up on set to get. Under all that prosthetics, and there was a bodysuit to give Elvis a gut. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's interesting that you've got the the juxtaposition. You've got someone who is the same age as the character, and then someone who's playing older, um, and they're working together. They're they're the two buddies. They're the main peeps in our movie here, and in. Uh, for all intents and purposes, those are the two that we are focused on. It's basically a story about the two of them. It's a buddy flick, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's other stuff as well, but that's the heart of it and the yes. central, you know, the central uh, nucleus of it, basically. Because we have once, it, it's interesting, once that uh, <laughs> uh, Ossie Davis as, as Jack or JFK, he makes Elvis, you know, I guess, uh, convince him that he had nothing to do with the assassination. I guess it would have been an assassination attempt and not an actual assassination on him back in... Uh... What, has, is there... T I mean, I should know, since I'm such a conspiracy nut, is there a conspiracy talk about Elvis being involved with JFK's assassination? Oh, no. I, I, can't, I, I, can't I can't think of any. possibly connect dots like that. But he needs, he needs Elvis <laughs> to convince him. You know, when he says, you know, I... Uh, I had nothing to do with that. I don't know Jack Ruby or Lee Harvey Oswald. I had nothing to do with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we have Ossie Davis as, as a man who's convinced that his mind has been replaced with a bag of sand. The CIA has dyed him black and are hiding him in this... <laughs> and I, I, you know, I wouldn't... It's not so far-fetched to me. Knowing what I know, it's not so far-fetched. So I, I kind of take it at face value with both of these characters that they are who they say they are. They're and I think that's the point. You're supposed to kind of just go along with it. You just go along for the ride. Yeah. Because, I mean, we have the opening scene, which, I mean, it, it, it can't be a turn-off to the I, I would say the wrong audience member, is basically Elvis talking about 
the cancerous tumor that he has on his genitalia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there's a, there's a lot going on with that. It comes back around and around, and and our our poor nurse Ella. Is Ella the actress or is Ella, Ella the nurse? I don't think the the nurse is given a name. Ella Joyce is the actress who plays the nurse. Then we then we will call her Ella. Who has to uh, drain the pus? But um, it's actually the um, the whole procedure and uh, Elvis's lack of getting an erection and not having any energy downstairs is a lot more graphic in the. Uh, the novella. And I think when, I know, when Bruce accepted the role, that that was one of the first things he said, was like, you're not going to show it, are you? If you're going to show it, I don't want to do it. I think the story's actually funnier, because he called up Coscarelli and he said, are you going to show it? And he's like, show what? He goes... You know, the cancerous. Are you gonna? Show, he goes, no, it's not that kind of movie. You know, you're not. I mean, one of the things you could say about yes, the phantasm movies are some of them are gorier and more violent than others, but it, compared to other horror franchises, the violence is a lot more subdued. Uh, Coscarelli was never one to go too gory. Okay. I mean, so, so, and, and and in this case, showing showing that that diseased penis would be too gratuitous maybe it's not or i don't know if gratuitous is even I the think right it word actually, i think it 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 kind of I, I mean why it's would one of those you, things that you don't need to I think see whatever it. you make up in your mind what it looks like yeah it's probably a lot worse than what if they actually designed it yeah i think well, it actually I works mean, better by not seeing it because just like the description because maybe for a female you would be like, oh, it's just a cancer too. But as a male viewer watching it, like I'm just imagining it. I'm like, no, that's enough to just yeah, imagine it. Just... And we have enough scenes where it's talked about, and she's she's actually touching it, and it, and and then it does come to life. That is a big turning point for Elvis right. in the movie. And it's funny we were talking about female trouble and how John Waters had no problem showing basically a diseased penis in that. Yeah, uh, and right. I, I was riffing on that for a while. Uh, so it'd be interesting. It, it would be. Very interesting to imagine what Bubba Hotep would have been like under uh, John Waters' direction. Oh, we would have seen. We, <laughs> yeah, we would have seen everything. We would I'm have sure. seen everything. <laughs> but that being said, just just you know, just I think that the description is enough. And like I said, if you really want to get into it, uh, it's a lot more graphic in the novella. Okay, the, the description and the I description think of the the, the tumor and. Releasing the pus and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what? I mean, what? What's the metaphor here? Like you know, I mean, I think it's uh, uh, <laughs> we don't need fleeting, to. I think it's kind of the metaphor of the fleeting youth. Yeah, and, and uh, once and once and how once we get old. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm only in my fifties, but still I feel it, and it's like stuff starts going. It starts going by the wayside, and your health starts. You know, you you don't bounce back with your health as much as you do. There's there's some so, very interesting talk about this, about how the king of rock and roll, the the this man that made all the ladies swoon, is no longer. I think he refer, he's like no longer seen as a sexually viable threat or like. <laughs> Like there's a talk about, um, and that was the big room, that his, was the big thing with Elvis was his hip gyrations for the 1950s, was uh, was 
was part of his success, was part of the right. uh, was part of the scandalous success of Elvis, quote unquote, yeah. you know, in the in the 50s. Wasn't it like, they don't shoot below his right. waist? Right. Like when he was on a uh, TV shows and, and stuff. Was, yeah. Like, don't shoot below his waist. Yeah. Rating hips are too much for the American public. Can't take yeah. It. Well, and I now mean, we they... now we have poor Elvis who, you know. He can't even barely get out of bed. He's looking and, around in a walker. And... That's right. And cer- certainly can't uh, y- use his equipment anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, And that's one of the things that I... Uh... So to take that away, to take the sexuality away from Elvis, that's basically what's going on here. Right. And he's, and he's very vocal about it, and is, at least in his um, narration reveries, yeah. narrative rev- reveries, uh and and that is something that's a, a central another central point for this movie is like he's he, he's not sexual anymore. We have yet. Elvis and JFK both throughout the course of this movie reflecting back on their on their, their youth. youth. And and it's a good it's a good time to mention. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Uh, it's a good time to mention that this in there has been talk about this. This is maybe it's definitely one of the few movies about the elderly. And it might be one of the only horror movies set in an elderly home. I would say yes, until it came to light, I think last year. And I, if I'd known you were going to bring this up, I would have done a little bit more research. George Romero actually made a horror movie about a retirement home. Did he? And it was about the horrors of getting old and the elderly. What's it called? Do you I, know? I want to say it's called a think it's called amusement park or something I'll, wow well, well that's we're a, done with the, that's but, enough information to to you know run with on google at i least. think it was made if you're familiar with george romero it, it remained unreleased until i believe last year it was kind of like an unearthed romero movie i think he was he was he was contracted to make one thing, and he did another kind of thing. <laughs> Love it, and well, I, and so like I, it, it remained unreleased. Um, but I I don't think it's a full length movie. I want to say it's just a little over an hour. But yeah, okay. Um, so we have it makes me interested whole... in seeing it. It makes me interested in seeing it because I I definitely appreciate, especially as I get older. Movies about people who are onward in their years, in their twilight years. Right. There needs to be more of that in our culture in general. There's not much respect given, no. you know, to to the elderly, and it's just like these people have lived lives, yeah. and they have stories to tell, and they have wisdom to impart. Right. You know, and and they're so widely ignored. You know, it's kind. Of, we we culture. put them in this retirement home. One of the one of the most telling scenes is the daughter of uh, of. Elvis's roommate comes to pick up her. De- her father de- dies at the beginning of the movie. Yep, um, his room. That's right. And she's just kind of cleaning out his stuff, and you know, this man or- earned a Purple Heart probably in World War Two. She um, dumps that thing in the wastebasket. And uh, yeah, it's just telling because Elvis is like, it's kind of jokey. He's like, "Well, can I have that box of chocolates?" <laughs> and then, yeah, right. and that Purple Heart. He was pretty proud of that Purple Heart. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, we you kind of put see... these people in this in a home and kind of, uh, yeah, you've you, you've done your time. Yeah, <laughs> tuck, tuck them away and then forget about them. And that's what this uh, is. It did is it her his daughter, the roommate's daughter, niece? 
I can't remember. She's she's young though. She's just out of her teenage years, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's, But it's set up right away um, that that how the young generation is dismissive of the elderly generation. Um, so, and you and you get that feel you and it hurts. You feel that you feel that at the beginning of the movie right away. You know. And then we. But we have this the discovery that this this mummy, which was was traveling um, from museum to museum um, on display, so to speak, was uh, was robbed. And during the robbery, he ended they they ended up crashing, and then this mummy was released from its tomb. And it, <laughs> I almost I'm almost glad that there isn't a sequel because. A mummy is the perfect villain to put up against the elderly because they're sure, both. Sure, you're they're right. Both moving out, you right? Know. Dusty, old, decrepit. So the, I didn't even put that together. That's, vampire, that's very a, a vampire would be a little too um, agile. Yeah. I think as a as a, I mean, and that's kind of the thing with the mummy movies is kind of like I mean, other than the the modern mummies, they're running around and they're moving quickly. But I mean. The old school mummy was like walking at a snail's pace. And and I always thought, same thing with zombie movies before 28 Days Later when they became fast. They were usually very slow. Right. And I always thought that about zombie movies and those mummy movies. Just like, I could outrun them, you know. That's... You've, you've got the advantage. Yeah. They're moving slowly. And I did watch uh, a few scenes from the original Mummy uh, before recording this, uh, and I'd forgotten. I think I'd seen it when I was a kid, Boris Karloff, 1930s. It is actually a good flick. Uh, and uh, Coscarelli had watched this, and I think there is a character in it called I'm Hotep. I'm Hotep. Emotep. Emotep. And that's when he thought to himself, well, if this were set in Texas, it would be Bubba Hotep. Right. It was actually, <laughs> and that's uh, when that the was idea actually, started. Uh, Lonsdale, not Coscarelli. Oh, was, okay. Lonsdale. Oh, who wrote the, the short who, who story. Wrote the short story. Thank you. Gotcha. So the, um, yeah, he kind of, he took, he took the, the mummy and then he took kind of like tabloid headlines of like Elvis lives and like, like all that kind of stuff, like Elvis sightings. And started mixing the two together. Yeah, you just so like yeah. It makes me want to read his work. It really does. I just and I I want to tell the listener that I try to uh, prepare for this podcast by doing some uh, intensive research into the Egyptian aspect of this film and this story, and I really couldn't get anywhere with it. No, I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't think Lonsdale. Lonsdale is much more interested in creating these very. What a fantastical type fantastical of... Fantastical elements. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah. He's not it's interested its own in world. realism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the hieroglyphics that they see in the sky with the constellations and whatnot yes. aren't aren't really the... Hierog- aren't really hieroglyphics. No. In fact, uh, some of them are showing uh, characters doing um, uh, certain things, sexual things or whatnot, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> Coscarelli actually talked about um, choosing the hieroglyphics to reflect more... Not the actual translation from Egyptian to uh, reality. But, but more like a stick figure charade. Just kind of like a, 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 yeah, a, yeah. a reference to the characters. Okay. Or some of the scenes. I mean, one of the one of the, the insults that the mummy says, he speaks hieroglyphics. And when I say that, I mean like he, 
talks and then hieroglyphics come out of his mouth. <laughs> I love it. It's like uh, something like kiss the anus of Anibus, Anibus's dog or something. <laughs> like well, and this is what the mummy does. The mummy sucks the souls out. And this is important. Sucks the souls out of your uh, anal orifice, basically, before he kills you. So it's terrible. It's like your soul. I mean, that your soul, which is supposed to go on to purgatory or wherever, heaven, hell, uh, is instead, you know, in the... It's also degrading. It is degrading. <laughs> it's in the, you know, it's in the in the lungs of yeah, this right. mummy. Now, you were mentioning how the mummy has uh, a cowboy outfit on. Yes. And I think in the story itself, um, the mummy finds a cowboy outfit after the truck oh, crashes. Really? See, I... I and, it, and might have even gotten it from the driver that of the, was one of the of, truck. I, that was one of the scenes that, you know, due to the limited budget, they weren't able to... To show they wanted uh, to, to show the mummy rolling out of the 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 truck and like finding a, a cowboy outfit right, to put on. We don't. We, <laughs> we're we shown one flashback of like when he looks directly into Elvis's eyes. Like we get these quick flashes of, e- of Egyptian kind of. Um, yeah, that's right. Getting the your yep. your brain removed from your nose and like yep yep almost like. Uh, Almost like an MK Ultra flashback or something like, um, oh, Hugh Jack, like Wolverine in the X Men movies. How, X, how he has those traumatic flashbacks of um, being tortured, basically. So um, well, he wasn't tortured. Basically, what he they is. Did, well, they, no, they put they put an adamantium into his body because he could, he's the only one that could survive the the, the metal the metal skeletal right yeah but I mean can't... that's torture it is it's painful it's a very traumatic experience well depending on the the X-Men movie and we'll quickly get off of X-Men right. but um he either asked for this operation to be done or was tricked into it Anyway, that's X Men lore that gets complicated. But uh, Elvis sees he see he has visions and he sees things when uh, this mummy looks directly into his right, eyes. Right, right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. We're, yeah, we're not given any context to why the mummy is wearing snakeskin boots and has a vest and a cowboy <laughs> a hat, ten gallon just, cowboy. Just because it it looks visually very interesting, and the um, it's worth noting that. Um, KMB Effects, which are the go-to effects company for practical effects now in Hollywood, especially in the horror genre, did design the I mean designed this mummy costume basically for free. It was basically Coscarelli it, it was able to come up with the money for the the materials that were ne- necessary to create the mummy. Basically, a full body suit. I mean, it was a basically yeah. a full body suit. Mm-hmm. You don't um, really see any any human anything. No, um, underneath it all. And ba- basically, there's no CGI done with them. Is there? Is there I CGI being done with the mummy at all? No, it's it's it, all just like it's camera very, angles very and practi- lighting. Yeah, very very practical. Body suit. There's um, uh, Bob Ivy who portrays Bubba Hotep. Uh, wore wore the full body costume. Bubba Hotep is the name of the mummy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And uh, he he wears the mummy costume. He had contacts in. 
Uh, wow. Everything was very... I mean, I don't think they really had the money for CGI. I don't, I, I don't think so either. It was all very, very... Because um, everything with the cockroaches is oh, the puppetry. Oh, the and the big No CGI. Beetles. No. Yeah. No, it's... It, I mean, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb because you could tell that it's, you know, it's a it's, big it's hula- rubber... It's, it's hilarious. It's a big rubber beetle flying around the room. But well, like, it, and it's hilarious. This is, this is the tightrope that they walk between horror and comedy. Throughout the whole thing. Right. It's right. hilarious, but you know, ah, oh, scary too. Scaramouche type yeah, of, you know, I, scary. I, I, I think that if it was a more serious movie, they probably would have tried to go for something more realistic, more threatening, because, I mean, this this goofy thing. But <laughs> I love Elvis, it. I Elvis lo- skewers that beetle oh, oh, and yeah. torches it. <laughs> like like a bond, you know, like, uh, like roasting marshmallows his, over a bonfire. His confrontation with that... Bu- Beatles is great it's, physical comedy. It's wonderful. The Beatles <laughs> hiding in his bedpan. He's like, right? you can't find it. He ends, yeah, he ends up like tossing it into a, a little personal heater that he has down by his bedside. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, it it's just works so well because it's a horror comedy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then uh, and then underneath the horror comedy, you've got this wonderful budding. Uh, friendship between between Elvis and JFK. Yeah, it's uh-huh. just it, it's it's such a fun movie. Oh, it's it's a wonder. <laughs> it's it's and I say I've said this about other movies that we've watched, but it it did affect me the similarly as Repo Man in terms of being a very special little flick. You right. know, something it's... that you would show to someone that you trust. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to show it to the wrong person who won't like it. No, you know? because like I said, yeah, that's why I said about the opening scene. Like, if you don't know, like, it could easily be a turnoff. Be like, I don't want to hear Elvis talk about a cancerous tumor on his penis. Like, you know, you could be like, no, there's more to it. He's going to fight a mummy. There's, there's a guy who thinks he's JFK. It's just like, I mean, there's, there's so much more going on with the movie. But for a movie shot for half a million dollars for 30 days, actually... In Downey, California, mm-hmm. uh, which is outside of L.A., mm-hmm. the majority of it, they found, um, Coscarelli found an abandoned veterans hospital. Mm-hmm. And they basically, to do the interiors. Yeah. And you can, I could tell that the interiors were definitely a different location than the exteriors of the of the retirement home. Sure. Yeah. And then they kind of shot around L.A. in a... Uh, for the park scene, is one of the parks outside of L.A. And okay. for the bridge scene. Um, the movie is actually set in Mud Creek, Texas, which is an actual location. But yeah, filmed, and, filmed in. Um, and what's L- filmed in L.A. Filmed in out, L.A. Or the burbs of L.A. Yeah. And what's the name of the retirement home? It's called Shady Rest, I think. I think so. Shady Rest, which yeah and, tickles um, me. So yeah, we have we have Elvis and JFK who who are given this last. Um, this last hurrah, like their last curtain call, mm-hmm. they're kind of rejuvenated in their quest to to rid the retirement home of this mummy. Of this soul-sucking mummy. Soul-sucking mummy. I mean, really, these people who are dying in this home are going to have their souls um, sucked into this, basically, this evil entity, you know? And so they, that's a big, well, that's, that's a big act of, you know, uh, that's that's a big act of... of um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're they're doing a a major act for humanity. 
they're by heroes. saving souls. They're yeah. saving. They're going to be saving souls by killing this mummy. They're basically including rescuing their own souls, becoming the heroes that they used to be in their youth. Ah, Elvis. Was I a love he- it. Yes, I love it. And, you Elvis know, was a hero to, to to people. JFK was a hero to people. That's right. And now here they are, in their sixties or seventies, forgotten, forgotten. Or, you know, not necessarily forgotten, but dismissed because no one's going to believe that they are who they say they are. Right. They're basically just two guys, you know, who are on their way out of life and on the very, very, very sidelines of society now. It's very interesting also to kind of see this brief evolution over like probably the course of a week of them kind of discovering the mummy to the final confrontation where they battle the mummy. Where they battle the mummy. The and I mean, at first Elvis has got like he's in a robe and in a walker, but in the last confrontation he puts on the old he's white. Got, that's he's right. Got the jumpsuit back on, <laughs> and JFK's got a he's suit got, on. He's in a suit. Uh-huh. Yep. So I I want to I also want to say at this juncture that if if something like this could happen to me. In my last years of life, it, I would be so happy. I would be so happy, and I've been, I've been in certain uh, institutions. I haven't been in jail, but I've been, I've been in other, I've been in other ones. But it's like you do make buddies, and so there is hope. Thinking of my future, if if I end up in some sort of retirement home that's paid by. I don't know, Medicaid, <laughs> you know, maybe I can meet a buddy and we can have an adventure like this right before we die. Yeah. You know, I, I would be okay with that. It's a really, in that respect, it's a very uplifting flick. It is. Uh-huh. Uh, I, we're, I mean, because they all, they're talking about how um, Elvis talks about like, He's he's lying in bed. He goes. He's thinking about what happened with his what. He never. I guess contractually they can say Priscilla or. Uh, they do. They do. He does mention her name. Oh, he does say Priscilla. He does. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he talks about like like even if he. They just couldn't use his songs, which was fine because Bruce didn't want to sing. He can't sing. No, they they couldn't <laughs> use. They 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 said the license just one Elvis song would have cost half their budget. Yeah. And there was. Fuck it. Um, so, but we, we, it's enough. You don't need to hear any of that. No, even just, the, even, even that Bruce, seems like gratuitous. in the flashback, the flashbacks of the old Elvis is great. It's seeing him so much fun, seeing him mixing up on stage, doing all the Elvis poses and stuff. <laughs> it, it's great. You don't need, you don't need the song because, well, the, Brian Tyler did a great job. Like the, the song that they're playing at the time is very reminiscent of like a rockabilly yeah. kind of Elvis tune. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't license any Elvis music. They couldn't license. There's a scene where he's lying in bed watching the 24 hour Elvis movie marathon. They couldn't license. They couldn't show any, any of the that. movies. He talks about his regrets about letting Colonel Parker talk him into, I mean, he could have, he could have, um, I guess he had potential to be a serious actor at some well, point. You know, Streisand, right when he died, around when he died, Streisand wanted him for her movie version of A Star is Born. And it's pretty much surmised that the colonel talked Elvis out of it. And Priscilla has said herself that it would have been good for Elvis to have Pro- done that. We'll yeah. never know because yeah. my only familiarity with Elvis movies is they're very kind of goofy. His first one, I think it's called King Creole with Walter Matthau, is actually good. And he's actually good at it. It's a black and white movie, and he's he's good. Mm-hmm. And then he did all the other stuff. The schlock, basically. The schlock, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could have had maybe you know the crossover appeal that someone like uh, Frank Sinatra had. Sure. For um, you know, but yeah. We we will never know. Nope. <laughs> nope. Because uh, despite what this movie might, will tell you, uh, I'm ninety nine percent sure that Elvis is dead. <laughs> uh, I I don't I would love to believe that he's uh, still but kicking it in, in a retirement home. But Coscarelli even talks about how Elvis died. He was like, "Did Elvis die die on the toilet?" And he's like, "I don't think so." That's what Coscarelli says. Yeah. So there is there is um there is a lot of fog around how Elvis actually died or right. or, or disappeared from our from our uh our you know our uh, our world. It's one of those From things culture. like you you don't want to you don't want to let go. You have your, sure. you have the diehard fans that still go to Graceland. Sure. Um, have you been there? No. Yeah, I've been to Graceland. Have I've toured you? it. I've toured it. Yeah. Is he really buried in Graceland? I think so. Yeah. Ah, I, I think. Don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's kind of tacky. I think when I did the tour, actually, his mother still lived in the house, and I think we saw her. She came out of a door and left during the tour. Oh, wow. And we were all talking like, I think that's Elvis's mother. Because she still lived there. Why not? (laughs) I I, I think it would be more dignified to put if he was in a cemetery surrounded by people instead of... Yeah, I know. Alone. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's kind of lonely. But that, 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 again, goes to this movie's themes of being alone. We have these characters that... Uh, well, Elvis has a roommate, but uh, Ossie Davis, Jack, he's got a he's got a, a single suite at this retirement home with well, pictures of Oswald and the, <laughs> Jack Ruby, yeah, on his wall. There's a mini, <laughs> there's like a mini diagram display of the of um, Dallas, Texas, the uh, <laughs> of the building and like, oh, the, for heaven's yeah, sake, the assassination the, scene. Yeah, he's got like a little, bit, he's got like a diorama display there. <laughs> Oh heavens! All so, right, uh, but yeah, th- these are very lonely characters, and they 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 connect, and they kind of have something that connects them, and then they they generally become friends, and and then warriors together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. To it is see. exciting. <laughs> you you get like it's almost like an eighties uh, action movie. You got them synchronizing watches. Yep, but then you get the joke. They're like, it was like or meet up at two forty five a.m. And then, like, uh, Jack is like, well, the rate we move, let's let's start moving at 2.30. <laughs> Which, is, it's just great. I mean, you get, them, you get them both gearing up for battle. Elvis with his walker and JFK with his wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Going to battle with his mummy, it's... It's, it's priceless. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's great, and... Um, yeah, you you kind of miss this. I, I I miss this in modern horror movies. The reliance on CGI. I mean, we've got it's all it's all practical here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this the, was this they, was made in the early two thousands, right? They yeah. could have easily. Well, the budget forbade them from yeah. doing that, but st- forgivingly so. So we've got a real explosion. The trailer park scene. There's a flashback yeah. of him losing the contract. Was done in one take. They. And the contracts hey, in the trailer that blows up, and I saw you see this trailer actually blow. Up. This is it's no hilarious. CGI. It's hilarious. They actually blew up a trailer. Well, and I read in the trivia on IMDb they were like that was done in one take. I'm like, well, how else could you have done it? Right? You got, you got better do it in lucky. one take. Yeah. You got no. This you is can't a afford genuine, to do 
it twice. Genuine explosion, and then when they set Bubba Hotep on fire, you really got a man set on fire here. Mm. Uh, Bob Ivy was a stunt man. Was a stunt man, but um, one with not a typical stunt man in that he didn't have the uh, let's see the 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 ego perhaps that a lot of stuntmen have, and he w- loved doing something that was. Um, of this ilk, where he got to play a mummy, you know, in yeah, this context, was, he loved the story. So he was a stuntman, but but basically basically approached it as a character actor. Right. Yeah. Uh, the only person that I can think of similarly that did the, something like that was um, Kane Hodder, who portrayed Jason Voorhees in the Friday the Thirteenth. I think he's the. I think he's portrayed the character the most uh basically is is kind of a fan favorite as the best portrayal of jason Voorhees. okay uh because he he approached jason as a as As a a character character. he added little nuances with the movement because very similar to bob ivy well jason Voorhees never talks uh bubba hotep i think only talks in egyptian hieroglyphics (laughs) So you 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 have to kind of really um, it's physical acting. It's yep. all physical acting yep. that you've got to do. That's um, right. I mean, someone right. like uh, Robert Eglin that portrayed Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger's got a lot of personality. He's got quips. He's got one-liners. He's got threatening dialogue. Yeah. Um, so you need you an get, actor. You, you get the yeah. You get yeah. the di- uh, you you get um, more personality coming across when you're portraying someone like the Mummy, or a Mummy. Who's all wrapped up, you know, in gauze? I mean, we we don't get that here. We basically have a skeleton yeah. kind of and, and in cowboy boots and very effective too. Just once again, the physicality of it. He moves very slowly, but very threateningly and menacingly. The looks that he gives um, are slow. His head turns very slowly. It's all done very effectively. And they did something, Every you'll notice that in all the scenes with the weird things are happening with the lights and the electricity going, yeah. like the lights are going on and off. Yep. And, and they um, added that scene with, uh, with Ella seeing the electricity going off in one of the cabins. They added that in post-production, by the yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Just to um, kind of give a little, little bit more of a threat of the mummy's presence. It's and it's it's interesting to see. I mean, we've got. I mean, they're not young. They're younger than Elvis and Jack. But we have the hot. We have the the administrator of the rep, the home and the nurse having a conversation about the lights going wacky and the and the shit. Right. And they're very dismissive of it. Whereas the people that actually live here are being like, you know. You screwed around with, effed with, yeah. yeah. And then we've got the two guys who take the the corpses of the dead elderly basically out, right. and they're they're very flippant. Well, one of them actually says, "Like, uh, do you ever do you ever wonder about these guys and their stories and what they have to tell?" And the other guy's like, "Who cares?" Yeah, he's like, "No, yeah, yeah." <laughs> they're, they're kind of it's it's weird. They're kind of like the goofy comic relief mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the other comedies kind of play it's. Played, they're very. They're kind of like over the top. They, 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 there's a slapstick be, scene where yeah. one of the one of them goes over the railing with the yeah. dead body, flips up in the air. Yeah, it could be. They could be Abbott and Costello. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or like you know the two of the three Stooges or something. Yeah. But like everything else is played very seriously. Uh-huh. It's played very deadpan, which, uh-huh. which makes it funny. Mm-hmm. 
we have um, Ossie Davis taking uh, Bruce Cable into the bathroom. <laughs> For some reason, Bubba Hotep has written on the bathroom walls. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre that he's written in hieroglyphics basically that he's coming for the souls of the people in this home and i can only imagine that like everyone else that goes to use this bathroom are just kind of like yeah egyptian hieroglyphics okay whatever it's not what you usually see written on a bathroom stall not in texas i would imagine So it's but they play they they play the role so seriously that it just make it it, it makes you want to you spend time with these characters absolutely and Ozzy Davis I mean there you know he there's there's definitely an honesty with what's going on with him and you buy pretty much buy it a hundred you he do you buy look, it a hundred percent he looks dignified you just look at him you're like this is a dignified man that's <laughs> like, right that's like, right this is a man I will respect. And Elvis, on the other hand, is like, oh, he's got the, still got the big mutton chop sideburns <laughs> yeah. and, and his big glasses. So you're just kind of like, okay. Like, uh, Bruce I would... Campbell is wonderful in this. It's inspired his performance. It really is. He could, you can tell he's in it 300%, Bruce loving, Cam- loving what he. Apparently, he was in character all the time, off camera, all day long. He actually. In record, character. He record. There is an entire. I only listened. To the director and actor commentary, but if you, you you choose to, there's an entire commentary in character as Elvis about the movie. Wow! So well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just makes. What more do you want from an actor? I mean, <laughs> he's that, really yeah. Uh, Bruce Campbell always kind of like like he just goes for broke with his roles. Okay. See, I, I don't know his work that much. I've seen Evil Dead. I don't think I've even seen Army of Darkness, and I know him from those. Movies, which right. are very over-the-top, uh, campy, so to speak, you know? Very, very much so. Now, I want to ask you, going back to what you said about how this movie was almost instantly a cult flick. This, So now I have to ask you, Chris, I know you say that you can't make a movie with the intent of it being a cult movie. Do you think that's the case with this? Do you think it happened by accident? Or do you think they thought to themselves, this will be a cult classic, it'll be a midnight movie classic? It'll be, you know. I I think that Coscarelli kind of just wanted, he just loved the material so much that he just kind of wanted, he strikes me as the kind of person that just makes, like, what he wants to do at this point. He's pretty much kind of established himself. He never, he never really became a mainstream director, ever. Okay. Uh, ne- never, like, the director for hire kind of thing. When I think of some of the uh, some of the choices that uh, Wes Craven or John Carpenter, other you know of the the same time frame, kind of did some of their movies are very, especially in the '90s, are very hit and miss, and they're just you could tell that their their heart and soul kind of wasn't really in. Not the case with Coscarelli. No, he, uh, he Phantasm was it, always his baby. Yeah, and um, like I was telling to you, he did I, almost all of the sequels. He did uh, the first four, and I think he co-directed the fifth. But if he had just stuck as the the sole director, he would have been, I think, the only director that has directed every single entry into a horror franchise. Interesting. Now, I also want to note that when uh, Joe Lansdale was approached by Coscarelli to make Bubba Hotep, he had been approached by other directors to film other stories that he had written, but he thought that this one 
was the most unfilmable. So it, it, it was such a surprise to him to be approached about this particular story. Right. Uh, um, and didn't think it could be filmed. No, it's, if you, the premise alone is like, well, who, who's going to sign on to do this? Like, and, and, <laughs> well, and I would think that everyone would, and that everyone would want to see it. Like, that's, I just in, love in that, just world. even on paper, I love the idea. See, I don't think that this was made with the intent of becoming a cult movie because I think that well, after watching the finished product, they didn't think that it was going like no anybody was going to like see it. Okay, it's gonna be it, one it of those did things. get it right away though. It did start getting a lot of attention. I think people you, loved it. You had the right. You had the right. You had the names attached to it that people would be like Bruce Campbell. Okay, Evil Dead. I'm a fan. Bruce Campbell as Elvis. I'm in. Yeah, but. I think that if the movie wasn't the quality that it is, I think that that flame would have burned out quickly. Okay. People, instead of the word of mouth being like, you need to watch this movie. I think I showed you the quote on the back of the DVDs. One of the, the critics said, nothing should stop you from watching this movie, which I okay. think is, which is great. I think a lot of it would have been like, yeah, it's Bruce Campbell as Elvis, and it's not that good. Like, I can't, I can't imagine that playing out like that. Though. Yeah, for I some mean, reason, I, it just I, seems I, I, like I, such a recipe for what what it became. You right. know, and it's funny, I'd never ever heard of this movie. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's not like I know every single movie in the world, but I definitely have been a film buff most of my life. Right. So it surprised me that I had no idea. And when I saw the trailer, when you showed me the trailer, I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm definitely in. I remember, <laughs> I remember um, this came into the video store when I was, when I was working at a video store. Um, and this was back, you know, you would get... Um, you worked at a video store, okay. Oh, yeah. You yeah, too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Got to watch a lot of free movies. Right, I know. That's kind of how it goes with people like you and me. And you know, of course, Tarantino started out that way, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to, you know, in a couple episodes from now, we're going to get into some Tarantino talk. um, Oh, right, we are. But I remember that this was one of the movies, like, when it was a a big-name movie, we'd get, like, uh, I mean, it was a, a, we were a mom-and-pop store, so we'd get, like, you know. Yep, same with me. We'd get half a dozen DVDs and, like, four VHS tapes. Bubba Hotep, we got one DVD, one VHS tape. <laughs> and I don't remember. I, I can't think of a single person. Um, who rented it? Well, who who didn't rent it um, not based on my recommendation to rent this movie. Okay. It wasn't something that, okay. uh, you know. And we remember, had that at our I store, too, staff picks. The Wall, the new releases. And it would be one of those movies that, you know, the new releases, like I said, we were it was a small hole-in-the-wall place, so, like, Friday, Saturday night, like, the new releases got picked quickly, you yep. know? And then it would be one of those people would say, you know, they knew me because I worked, I, sometimes I worked there seven days a week, so Oof. they were there, Chris, what's a good movie? And depending on the person, I would, you know, be like, hey, check this out. Bubba Hotep, you yeah. got it, you got <laughs> it. Like, we would do that, too. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's Elvis an elderly Elvis fighting a mummy with his sidekick, uh, a black JFK. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you need to know? And then I kind of would know like, the kind of people that would be like, 
Okay. <laughs> um, I'll give this a shot. <laughs> but this was this was a this was, this was a, a movie that you know like I would show my friends and recommend to my friends because like we'd have similar tastes in like bizarre movies or like we loved the Evil Dead movies so we'd watch anything. Yeah. With um with Bruce Campbell. I guess um, it should be noted as well that JFK, whether or not it's actually true, is kind of credited for championing the civil rights movement. I'm not, I should, you know, I should know more about this. Uh, so it's interesting that that Ozzie Davis, who is black, is playing JFK in this movie, you know. Did you know that Ozzie Davis gave the eulogy for Malcolm X? Did he? Yes. Okay, because I know he's been around a long time. He's, I did IMDb him. Yeah. He's been around a long time, of course. Actor, he was, writer, director. Yeah, he's... but I think he... I think he became known as a personality on variety shows um, before becoming a, a, a known actor, a right. well-known yeah. actor. Uh, but I didn't know that about a eulogy for M- Malcolm X, that he had done that. And they, they were talking, they were like, okay, once we, I mean, Bruce Campbell was kind of like, a, he was, it's very interesting. Both Bruce Campbell and Aussie Davis's, both of their agents, like, said no to the script Even before... <laughs> once again uh, just like with um repo man and uh and uh, harry dean stanton right his exactly, agent was yeah. like no 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 yeah. <laughs> uh and bruce campbell just needed to make sure that they weren't going to show the penis and he and was Ossie in... davis he was like they were kind of like they were like oh my god this is great that we got him but like they were kind of shocked that he agreed to do it. I mean, they they were just kind of like, and that kind of that was. It's the a kind great of, role. Oh, it as is. an actor, it's just like you can't say for both of them. I'm sure they were like, I can't say no to this, you guys. You're I think talking it's to one the of those management team. That if you were just pitched, like you were just like, yeah, Mr. Davis, we want you to play a man who who thinks that he's JFK and that your brain has been replaced by a bag of sand, and the CIA has dyed you black. <laughs> But you are convinced that you have survived the assassination attempt. I think he probably would have said no. But after reading it, like, I mean, it's got great dialogue. There's some great banter back and forth with with Elvis. Um, there's a great joke about Marilyn Monroe in it, too. Is there? Yeah. There is. That's right. Right right, right before the final... Um, yeah, right before their... Uh, to, to fight Bubba Hotep, he's just like, Jack, I just gotta know about Marilyn Monroe. And apparently the re- I can't remember what the response was. Oh, come on, I gotta rem- I you got- gotta remember, because I can't remember either. I don't know, but it's great, and it was actually improvised by Ozzy ah, Davis. no way! Um, <laughs> so if you're listening to this, go back and rewatch the movie again, and uh, yeah, that uh, that little quip was all Mr. Mr. Davis. Uh, yeah, this... And and Bruce Bruce Campbell and and Coscarelli kind of talk about how a movie like this, it's all hands on deck. It's kind of like if you're if you're into the if you're going to do a movie like this, you're committed. Oh yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be. Otherwise the otherwise the viewer the audience won't won't buy it. I mean the. It is true that the camera doesn't lie, and it can, you know, but movies, yeah, where am I going with this? Like, you, with this film, if you weren't in it 100% or 150% or more, um, it's just not going to fly. You have to. You have to believe this reality 
that they're living in. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, if the characters really believe, it's like. It's like what they say about comedy in general. Um, you can't play it for laughs. You've really got to believe what you're doing. You've got to almost play it straight, right. you know, and the yeah. comedy comes out of that. It's situational. It's circumstantial. And that's what this movie has. You mm-hmm. have Bruce Campbell. I mean, both Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis in behind the scene interviews said that, okay, I, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play Elvis. Yeah. As if I was Elvis. Yeah. And I'm going to play this character as if he, he believe. I'm going to believe that I'm JFK because this character believes that he is JFK. Yo, that's right. Because the ending, you've got to be rooting for them as those people, basically. Right. Because you're in it with them, you know? Right, yeah. So if you're in it with them, you're, you're buying that they are saying, that they are who they say they are. And that, that they're going to battle this this mummy. And they're not going out without a fight. That's right. Yeah. And it ups the ante completely. Yeah. Because it's you're you're right on board there. With mm-hmm. the, you're going into battle mm-hmm. against the <laughs> And right and the and the battle itself is is totally laughable. Oh, it, it really is. is with the, you know with their walkers and their and their wheelchairs and Elvis uses the wheelchair that uh that JFK used after JFK has uh saved he his soul. A, he falls asleep. <laughs> He falls asleep in the wheelchair and is attacked by the mummy. Elvis attacks the mummy with the walker, and uh, the mummy is just like, "No, nah, I'm not having this," and like pins Elvis against the tree with his own walker. And then you have Elvis in the final, yeah, hops onto the the wheelchair, the electronic wheelchair, and, and it's just like mows mows him over, mows them, and then they both they both like fall, roll down that hill, down to that swamp or whatever, that body of water. Right. It's hilarious. You see them both rolling, 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 rolling. The mummy and Elvis rolling down this hill together. <laughs> Which is just an absurd <laughs> statement that you never think you'd get the same. But, you know, this movie is basically just like so absurd, but it, ta- it takes itself serious enough that you buy into it. And the characterizations, once again, especially with our two leads is so developed that um the absurdity um the absurdity has weight yes, to it because right. of it yeah mm-hmm. it's um yeah i could see that it's being a hard sell like probably lansdale and i don't think it's a hard sell personally for some reason but it was wasn't it sure yeah i mean i mean i neither of us work for big you know you, you go into uh I th- MGM eventually picked up the movie, but if you go Which into like wild. Universal Studios and be like, uh, "Yeah, I got this great idea for a movie. We're gonna have Elvis, who's not dead. He's elder." They're like, oh, "Wait, what? an elderly Elvis? No, 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 no. You could do a, a Elvis versus a mummy. That's fine, but you got to do young Elvis, like back in the you know back in his youth." No. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Like, that's why... I mean, I guess this is why I'm not sitting behind a desk at a movie studio... Right. ...making zillions of dollars, because I would greenlight something like this in in a heartbeat. But, but like I said, (laughs) I I think an easy sell would have been Young Elvis versus a Mummy. Oh, yeah, we'll greenlight something like that. No. No. You gotta have elderly Elvis. You gotta have, like, everything... Elderly forgotten Elvis. Yeah. No one's coming to see this Elvis. Nope. Nope. Because well, everyone thinks that he's just an Elvis impersonator. That's right. And we're shown through flashbacks yeah. that, that he switched place with uh, Sebastian Half, an Elvis impersonator. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, we're dealing with the real Elvis here. And he said that, um, yeah, it's it, it, going back to the themes. We say, you know, you're like, why would Elvis ever give up 
all the fame. And it talks about that, like, the real Elvis really had this, he had the passion for the music. And he had lost it. Like, his life had become so grandiose. So, under a microscope. Like, he's on a, he's got a spotlight and a microscope on top of him. Everything. He had no privacy anymore. No. And there's, there's plenty, plenty of talk that, that Elvis was being heavily surveilled by the CIA, you know. So, there is that aspect as well. And that can, I'm sure that can, that can be very oppressive, you know. So, So, that was probably... Part of his, you know, I mean, the subtext, he, the subtext is that he wanted to get away from the fame, basically, and yeah. from all the responsibility. He so wanted there might to go have been back to being a normal to, person, to, doing, just being, having just barbecues being a in yeah. a trailer park. Yeah, he's yeah. having, he's, you know. Hanging out with buddies. But, uh, yeah, we, we uh, and but then we get the scene where um, the real Elvis, who is reinvigorated, so we have Elvis playing an Elvis impersonator, and you see that last performance before he breaks his hip. <laughs> yeah, falls off the stage. Yeah, but he's he's full of he's got he's like I got that vigor back, that that yeah, life back yeah. in me, and then like yeah. he, you know he said that you know he th- there was a, a tragic yeah uh, trailer park accident that blew up this contract where they could switch <laughs> places, and that the person that took his place had the same love of uh, drugs that apparently Elvis had, and that's what led oh. to the overdose. Oh, so it worked out? Oh, wow. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Also, it should be noted, this is just a very minor footnote, but uh, Elvis starred with Anne Margaret in Viva Las Vegas, one of the biggest hits that uh, movie-wise that Elvis had had, for both of them, actually. And Anne Margaret, I don't know if you know, fell off a stage, I think, around 1969, and severely hurt herself and and screwed up her face. She had to have some major plastic surgery done to um to to look to look okay in front of a camera again or in oh. front of audiences again. So when you see Anne Margaret in movies um after that time, it's all that face was heavily reconstructed. Mhm. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know if if um if the author knew that, if Lansdale knew that when he was writing Bubba Hotep and, and instead, instead of making, you know, made Anne Margaret's experience Elvis's experience. I don't know. Maybe. Um, just speaking of Lansdale, and the, the only character, very interesting, the only character that didn't make it from the original novella into the movie was a... Trans character. Yeah, John Dillinger, a sex... Post exchange operation, John Dillinger. I actually think that that might have been a little too much for this movie. Not if you, not if you just had it, you know, as an incidental character. Maybe instead you know? of the uh, the Lone Ranger dying, we hit the sex change John Dillinger. Oh right, because we've got the Lone Ranger too. That's true. We do. Yeah, that. We... yeah. No, the the meals in this L, in this retirement home are a gas oh. <laughs> to watch all these characters eating together, and it makes me. <laughs> I, I re- yeah, because what the opening scene, he's like, I wonder what they're making for lunch today. But given the nature of the food that they make, do I care? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like you need that little you need that little spark. It's kind of like you need that spark in life. And you could see that the, these people don't have that spark anymore. Well, they make it for themselves, you know, as, as humans will do, you know. So... Once again, when I've been in, I mean, I've never been in an, in a retirement home, but in other situations when 
you're kind of like shacked up together all day long. Even when you're making a movie, you know, it's right. kind of similar. Yeah. You're shacked up together all day long. You really, you really, you know, you create bonds and uh, you, you're, you learn to appreciate each other's personalities and the personalities can be uh, very lively. Right. Yeah. So I went to parochial school for the, fir- the first half of my education. So Did you? 30, we're talking 30 people tops in a classroom. Wow. So like, yeah, you get that kind of close bond and you, you have those those eccentric personalities. You have the people that kind of, you know, but then when I went to public school, there's, you know, so many more people. Yeah. Know? But um, well, what did you find? Did you find the bonds were... Did you find the bonds to be stronger when you were in parochial school with your classmates or in your public school? Do you, can you compare? That's a whole that could be a whole different podcast. They're, they're, okay, so it's safe to say it's safe to say very different bonds. Very different bonds because in the case of a smaller uh, class size, it's the bonds sometimes have to be forced. Mm. You know, you're, in, in you're, public school, you can kind of choose your bonds. Okay. That's what I'll say. Okay. But it, it, I, the point that I was going to make is that this movie is kind of a prime example of, like, you always have that, uh, what do they say? They say one bad apple spoiled a bunch. You always have that one asshole. Oh, yeah. And we have that asshole, and this old lady. Yeah, goes around. Yeah, go ahead. She, her open. <laughs> uh, basically, her character, she has one line. But her, they establish her character entirely through her actions. We we're given. It's funny because they're like, well, it's a horror movie, so you have to have that opening kill. You have to have that first, the first victim. You have this old lady who you see her walking slowly down the hall, comes across this other woman who's in an iron lung. Takes her glasses. Yeah. Steals her glasses off her face. Steals her glasses off of her face. There's a deleted scene where she's stealing more shit from somebody else's room. Yeah. She takes, she she likes the... uh, The The thrill of it. She likes the frame. She likes this picture frame. Just the frame. She takes out someone's grandson, picture of her grandson, rips it up to pieces and throws it in the trash. Crumples it up, yeah. <laughs> but then, so, but we're giving her this comeuppance when this, this beetle comes and terrorizes her. <laughs> and then she's got, she, so she battles, she, yes, you have an old lady battling a beetle. <laughs> a big ass beetle that looks like a cockroach, kind of. And she calls it a caca, caca, caca. <laughs> Kakaga roach. Somehow she managed to make it three syllables <laughs> and put the word kaka in. Yeah, but like yeah, she managed. To make, but uh, yeah, she eventually gets a. Uh, she gets a comeuppance, and Bubba Hotep what? gets her. Yeah, but it's an unfortunate comeuppance. No one really deserves to have their uh, their soul sucked out of them hey. through their orifice, and then you know, and then kept from. From going wherever it needs to go after death. Well, what? This you're lady like had rolling. Come, this lady. You're had like ah. Uh, this lady. Oh had come on. She's a little klepto. Big deal. No one deserves to have klepto? that. But still, she took someone's. She doesn't need glasses. She took this poor woman's who can't move in an iron lung's glasses. But these are inanimate objects. That thing took her soul. You know, I don't care. You know, I, I mean, maybe if you're an ex-murderer, but you know, but it's like. Your soul is supposed to learn from this lifetime and go on with that, you know, to the next thing with that with that experience. And then, you know, theoretically, 
you either go to heaven or hell, or if you get reincarnated, you work that out. I mean, there's no chance for her to be working out her karma. You well, know, ladies her... and gentlemen, once again, here on the Cold Film Companion Podcast, we are speculating on the psychology of fictional characters. <laughs> these bizarre movies that we watch. Okay, fair enough. She probably does not deserve to have her soul sucked out of her ass. But um, she had she had something coming to her. Something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I well, mean, it, it's a good setup within the framework of the movie. You see it, you're like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> you better yeah. watch out. I want something bad that this happened to this lady. Maybe, you know. But, um, yeah, so this movie, uh, it, it, it's, it, it made its name on f- the film festival scene. And uh, that's kind of, eventually got snapped up by MGM. and um, So they, they released it. MGM did end up releasing it. It's, uh, yeah, MGM's on the, the, if you look there, you can see my DVD right there. You'll, you'll did, see the, the lion it, right there. Did it have a release in theaters? Did MGM yes. release it in theaters? Yes. Outside of the it's, festival circuit? Yeah, it started circulating in the festival circuit in 2002, and then 2003. It made it, some... It started, it it started kind of propping up, probably in... Not, I would say this is really an art house film, but it probably kind of, in some larger markets, probably kind of started to uh, percolate. Yeah, okay. and get have some, a run, get some screenings here and there. Okay, you know. okay. But this movie was never intended to be like seen in an IMAX theater, or right? Like that, right? Um, if you saw, an, yeah. Oh, I would go see it, but, you know. Well, I, then you see all those prosthetics, like, up close. I always notice people's pores in their faces and their complexions a, when I'm it's a l- little seeing too, an IMAX movie. Yeah, high def movie. is a little too much. Yeah. yeah you, know, you, get to, you literally get to see the warts in all of some people. But, um, but uh, uh, you know, you get something like this shot on film. You can tell it's shot on film. There's just like yeah. a richness to it. Love it. Um, Love things shot on film. Different. He, Coscarelli was very. Uh, he's just he's old school, so he he used different stocks for uh, different film speeds for different scenes. And cool. It's just like you know, it's just. Uh, and a lot of dark lighting for the interiors when they're roaming the halls. Right. That I, that took some uh, some knowledge. And I think that there's just kind of the thing that they were talking about. When you have such a limited budget, it makes you a little bit more creative. Yeah. You can only spruce up some, you know, you only have so much money for production design. So you got to figure, okay, well, we want, really want, you know, Elvis's room is very sparse. Mm-hmm. So that's very easy. So we could put a little bit more money. We don't spend very much time in, in Jack's room, but like, the time that we do, we are like Jesus Christ. Like, this, is, this is this is what JFK, you know, a black JFK, what what have you? He's got. It's immaculate, first of all. It looks it looks like it belongs in the oval. It looks like it belongs in the White House. It does. <laughs> yeah. It kind of looks like well, yeah. this would be like the Kennedy bedroom kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just very specific choices, um, and just it's just it's special. It's one of those movies. It's very you could tell that it's very special. Um, because the people that get it get it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like it's a it's a common theme here on the show. It's like one of those movies that you're just like the people that know 
they know. Mm-hmm. And the people that don't know, like, eventually the word gets out to them, and they're like, geez, you know, this is something, this is something to check out. Mm-hmm. This is something, mm-hmm. you, you could truly say you'll never see a movie like this. I mm-hmm. mean, where else are you going to see mm-hmm. anything not. like this, you know? You're, well, I mean, I'm racking my brain, but of course I'm not going to think of anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's got to be maybe something that comes close, but I can't think of anything. It kind of it feels like a movie that you know back in the day, like you had like El, uh, Abbott and Costello meet the meet, meet the mummy. I think they have an Abbott Costello or, meets the mummy. Yeah, meet Frankenstein. Uh-huh. It's like this is just like you take two things from like these very different. You take Elvis, and then you take an ancient mummy, and you're like, all right, let's put it together. Yeah. A little jash of JFK. Oh, and by the way, let's set it in uh, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, It's just right. like, who comes up with this stuff? Right. You know? But of course, once again, underneath it all is this wonderful little uh, buddy relationship. Right. And that's that's the, that's the heart and soul and of depend- this movie. And depending on your age, when I first saw this in 2002, you know, that was... Almost twenty years ago, yeah. you know, I was like half my age. Yeah, I was like half, literally half my age now. Yeah, well, and um, I remember two thousand and two like it was yesterday. So going back, like the things reflecting on, um, reflecting That's... on your past, it's like it. It didn't really sit with me at the time because I was only twenty something. Okay, know? did you see it back then? Two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah, remember I told you when it came up in the movie store. That's right. I'm sorry. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Short-term memory loss. Uh, so, so were you able to kind of relate to it more this time? Absolutely. Watching? Okay. Absolutely. As as you're older. Yeah. Sure. Because at, I think when I was you know twenty something when I first saw it, it was just kind of like I was a huge Evil Dead fan. I had no idea who Ozzy Davis was. I didn't really like Elvis or his music, but of course everybody, regardless, it's just one of those things. That everybody knows Elvis. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, oh my god, Elvis fighting a mummy. Yeah, I'll check this movie out. And of course, you liked it even. Oh back yeah, then. yeah, yeah. But like, Some... I, I think it's one of those movies that, depending on your age or depending on the your mindset, when you watch it, like it it will hit you on different levels. And I yeah. think that's the sign of a, not just good cinema, but like of a cult movie. Like like different times in your life when you see it, it'll hit you at different with different kind of. Um, an emotional impact or just yeah it'll resonate with you in a different kind of way yeah you know now that i'm 20 years older <laughs> than the first you know when i first saw this movie i'm thinking oh my god my right like my reckless youth like you know you know mm-hmm. just kind of like mm-hmm. and then like you were saying mm-hmm. like like i i that that um that third act of life yeah the third act you know when you're in a retirement home and you're older yeah kind of like like, well, I have that one last adventure. Yeah. Like, like it, it kind of makes you... But it, like you said, it's a very... It's a... Like, unfortunately, I mean, obviously, we spoil everything. The, the mummy dies, Elvis dies. Or does he? We're not sure if he dies. It's, given that tumble and that wound that he has and the fact that God knows when someone's going to find him. Yeah. Uh, JFK is dead. Uh, you know, yeah. you just like... Their souls have been saved. They've saved their own mm-hmm. souls, and they've saved future souls. I also want to bring up that this movie was probably made 
before 9-11, and I say this because I noticed back then a definite change in movies post 9-11. And there was a creativity that was happening in movies abundantly before 9-11. And then that did change. Things seemed to go back to a very, very standard uh, format afterwards. So this this is one of those movies that was still uh, abundant in cr- creativity before things changed. Just right. want I just yeah. want to say that because I, I wrote, could see that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was certainly written before nine eleven. So right. If anything, and um, yeah. So even if it wasn't filmed after nine eleven, it was still it was written. And it was very. It's a very faithful adaptation. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to say, you know, the, you, the little sparks of creativity. Maybe it wouldn't have been as dark. I don't know if the movie would have been made. To tell you the truth, I'm not sure. That's us. That's how. That's how much movies changed. Yeah. At that time, at that juncture, even the mainstream movies. Because you want something a little bit more uh, optimistic. Well, maybe not as there was. There was a there was a shift towards a kind of military esque type of uh, format or aesthetic with films after nine eleven. I mean, I'm you know mm. I'm talking, yeah. That is that is what I noticed. Sure, yeah, you got to for a movie. You know, it's set in a retirement home, an old age home. It's it's kind of a depressing setting. Oh, but but it's <laughs> you know it's I still it didn't depress me that much. It really didn't. Like I was like. Look at this cool place that they're in, and yeah, it's it's shabby and down and out, but um, it's still ripe for adventure, even if sure. it's between two people. You know, even without a mummy, like you could still find a buddy to have adventures with. You know, right? This you, type of... Despite their mental faculties not being maybe as sharp. Yeah, and as... despite the fact that they're in a rundown home, basically. Yeah, you know, which nice... could be very depressing, and it is for these characters. They don't. It... They don't really want to be ending up like this. Who does? No. Who does? Especially so you're the right. King, especially the king of the rock and roll, and one of the most uh... well, and a former president. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know you. <laughs> but uh, so the rule of, rule of thumb. For uh, our shows, we we try not to go longer than the uh, the movie itself. So we're gonna start um, wrapping it up. Start winding down. Yeah. Uh, if, if I may. Sure. I did do a Wikipedia search on Hotep, um, and there's a little more than what's told in the movie. Uh, Hotep. I'm re- reading verbatim. Hotep is an Egyptian word that roughly translates as quote to be satisfied. At peace, unquote. Mm. Yeah, so that's a different interpretation than what we're given at the beginning of the movie with that, uh, with the definition on oh, the yeah. screen. Uh, the word also refers to an offering ritually presented to a deity or a dead person, hence to be pleased, be gracious, be at peace. It is rendered in hieroglyphics as an altar offering table. The noun means peace, contentment, Interprets the concept as a result of action in accord with M-A-A-T, which means the proper order of the universe. Wow. Yeah. So there is there is stuff going on here with the Egyptian aspect of the of the film yeah, and the story I'm, I'm, itself. I'm curious now to see what Lonsdale, if he, he did that much. Um, oh, I'm, I think he did. I think he would have known. Probably. And, and w- 
As with Repo Man, um, part of the appeal is the information that's withheld as well as the information that's given. It's kind of the same thing here. I want to know more about the Egyptian aspect. I can't really get to know more yeah. about it. So, like, there's that uh, enigma. But it makes it. sense now that Elvis is at peace. Mm-hmm. With, you know, he, he kind of makes peace with his past before he goes into this final battle, mm-hmm. you know. And so does JFK. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still absurd statements to be making. Oh, uh, but, but it's it's it, fabulous. It's yeah, awesome. It's uh, yeah. So they make peace with themselves, where where they were, where they came from, to where they are now, to the fact that you know this final confrontation might not you know. They know that they're past their prime, so you know maybe this this confrontation might be their last. This might be the last jolt of life of excitement that they they either one of them have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one more thing I want to bring up. Uh, it's once again I'm reading verbatim. When Elvis meets the mummy named Bubba Hotep for the first time, he sees how the mummy died. That's the visions that we're talking about. I yes. think. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And what happened before he came to terrorize the rest home. Before he died, he was a pharaoh who was assassinated. Assassination. Who was assassinated by his royal priests. I don't know if this is in the short story, this, this information that I'm reading. I think it is. We don't, know, we don't know why they killed him, but we see him being seduced by two women, and then later a priest jams a hook through his nose while he's alive and awake and removes his brain. Which yeah, is that what was they did, of, yeah, which is when, when the they mummified, mummification, right. Mm-hmm. The mummy is an evil soul-sucking fiend, but you still feel bad about the way he died. Okay, that's it. Yeah, and we, we get the, the uh, Coscarelli talked about how, um, you know, for, for one day they kind of hired a bunch of extras and got some whatever Egyptian artifacts they could have and... To if, pull it off. Yeah, but you, you're given a very, you know, it's a, it's like they're literally flash, just like scenes that flat, like you get a quick scene Images. Of, yeah, just really rapid fire kind of things. Yeah, like a, it's a hallucination. It's, yeah. It's hallucin- hallucinatory. It is, yeah. 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 So, um, just a very interesting kind of like aspect, um, you know, and given the budget, they had to make some very creative choices and... Well, it goes back to what David Lynch was saying and what we've talked about and what even you and Phyllis have talked about, uh, that that David Lynch himself says he works better under constraints because he's forced to make uh, decisions that are around those constraints, and sure. it makes it stimulates the imagination. So, yeah, and I could just I'll just speak briefly about uh, Coscarelli and. Um, the movie system. I think I mentioned this to you before we started recording. So Phantasm was a, was a big independent hit, um, in 1979 and universal kind of wanted a piece of this action. So they gave him a, a, a big budget for Phantasm too, but they insisted on recasting the lead because they wanted some name value there. So he kind of, he kind of butted heads with them hmm. about that. He's very, he he's just much more of a an independent kind of film guy, kind of like David Lynch, kind yeah. of you know. Yeah. You just well, in that interview with Coscarelli, he was talking about. Um, I think he was writing the screenplay 
or a treatment for Bubba Hotep. And he was doing it, I think, in Texas. I, maybe he lives there. I'm not, I'm not sure. But he was saying basically that when, you, you know, it, it's exciting to write a treatment or to write a screenplay outside of Hollywood because it kind of inspires the rebel in you. You know, you're sitting at your typewriter and you're just like, ha ha, finance yeah. this, motherfuckers, yeah. you know, type of thing. <laughs> so, there, you know, that rebel quality is in this movie in spades, in my opinion. Yeah, and just going back to Phantasm, as far as... Phantasm is a very dreamlike, almost hallucinatory kind of horror movie. Like, you don't know... I haven't seen it for a long time. And I don't don't even know if it was the first one that I saw. Is it a waking nightmare? Is this an alternate universe? Yep. Um, It's not as straightforward as something like Halloween, which is just a bunch of... Or Friday the 13th, or even... Which are reality-based. Very reality-based, yeah. kind of straightforward. Uh-huh. you got a killer, he's going to chop you up. There's a lot more going on with Phantasm. There's, that, it's a lot more just... That floating ball that goes around. It's a lot more heady, I'll say. There's a okay. lot more kind of like... To, there's a lot to chew on. Uh, because it's not very... It's not a straightforward kind of... There's a surrealness to it. Yeah, yeah. like is the the, the yeah the things and those hyper realities fan- are always more interesting, you know, in yeah. film. You know, yeah. you, you kind of it does send your imagination going. And you know, it is a horror movie, but like the body counts aren't up there with the other kind of franchises. Okay. It's, it's a lot more. About the adventure of it, really. It is. It's even more, if it's, it's a scary it's like a, adventure. It's like a, yeah, it's yeah. more of a, like, a, even one of the movies is kind of basically like a road movie. It's kind of like these these characters. I don't know. If we'll, we, we'll probably get to Phantasm at some point. But um, uh, Don Coscarelli, just a, a, kind of a, a an underrated director. Um, sure, I would say kind that. of Kind of bettered. Unlike someone who who never got the name value, or the name cachet, the name popularity, like someone like Wes Craven got mm-hmm. or John Carpenter mm-hmm. got. Um, mm-hmm. I could theorize on that, but I won't. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I won't take it there. He was much more. Yeah, he's. But much, he does seem like an outsider, someone who marches to his own beat. E, right, and that's and a I, big part of w- whether you're in Hollywood or not. Yeah, the or in you, crowd. Yeah, you're or you're kind of on the fringe. Yeah, and kind yeah. of. Uh, and I think it's probably better to be on the fringe, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is not the first time that he was the youngest director at the time to sell the first movie he made. I think when he was nineteen, and the the title is escaping me, but it was an independently produced drama that was picked up by a major, you know, motion picture. It was picked up by a major company company so he, he he made some history for himself and and we were talking about how young he looks like the interview that i saw might be 20 years old but still he looked like he was in his 20s in the 2000s yeah i couldn't believe could, it yeah we were talking he's someone that he, he takes very good care of himself we've just like been blessed yeah. with some really good genetics i that, know that, um, i know um but uh yeah coscarelli Bruce Campbell, Ossie Davis, Ella Joyce, Bob Ivey. It's Joe Lansdale. Uh, I, I, I. It's. Don't you want to? Don't you want to hang out with these peeps? 
Absolutely. Like all of them. All Espe- of them. Espe- in even... Even even especially Ella. Just, like, sit down and hang with them. Talk about the movie, sure, but, you know, have a few brews and and keep the conversation going, and who knows where it's going to go. So we, before we wrap up this, we didn't talk a lot about Ella Joyce, uh, but she's... I've seen her in other stuff. I did an IMDb check. I didn't recognize... I remember the show Rock. Okay. I do remember that show was on Fox... Um, Oh, God. What was the actor's name that portrayed Rock? A very well-known actor. Um, but she's great. She adds um, something special to the movie um, because she is the lead uh, female character. And I think it would have been very easy to have a kind of a nurse ratchet, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, like evil nurse um, but she's not. No, she's very kind of cynical. <laughs> she's she's like, I don't mind calling you Elvis, but I just, you know, just like a reality check that, like, <laughs> the story that you're selling, Mr. Presley, is not one that every, everyone's going to be buying. <laughs> yep. And I, I know there's the one scene where um, Elvis tells her off, <laughs> and... Um, some people were critical about that. They were like, well, you know, you, you know, he was kind of mean to her um, in that one scene. But it well, was but just... he's 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 reclaiming his own. Uh, I don't want to say independence, pride. He's reclaiming his own pride when he retaliates to on her. And it's done in such a in such a not. Even though he's threatening her, he's, it's so non-threatening. Yeah, he's so he's he, like he's snappy, he's threatening to like but, attack her with his with his walker. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's just that he's not. He's he was years of her treating him like a baby, yeah, like a child, yeah, and he's, and he's like, like the, enough. I was the king. Uh, I was the king of rock and roll. Yeah, I am a man. Yeah, not, you know, you back know, off, for, lady. Back off, lady. You know. <laughs> so. Just an overall great movie, um, and I'm glad. That I, I was one of the movies when I put it on the list for the show. Is like I was like, is Andrew gonna like this? Oh come on, <laughs> you should I know should, me better I, by I now. Should, I should have known better that this. <laughs> I should have just gone with my gut instinct. And be like, of course, he's gonna like something like this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's got something. It, I do Nick's movies. I know. I know. For the listener, I know that Chris has to find another host to do Caligula with, so uh, I won't do it. <laughs> but, but with something like Baba Hotep, oh, bring it on! Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that being said, uh, we are uh, gearing up. We are part of the Blind Knowledge, Blind Knowledge Collective. Google Blind Knowledge. Check out their other shows on their their. On their website, uh, we will be joining them there. You'll be able to find our show there. For the time being, please join us on the Facebook page, The Cult Film Companion, on Instagram, Cult Film Companion, with underscores Twitter. Getting some great feedback from people. At The Cult Film Comp on Twitter is the best way to interact with us. You can also email us at The Cult Film Companion. I actually just got an interesting movie recommendation today there. Uh, Twitter, Instagram feedback is all wonderful. Come interact with us on all of those platforms. This is, this show is all about growing uh, a cult, a cult following for our 
cult show. If that makes any <laughs> sense whatsoever. But thank you so much for joining us and remember to keep it cult. Watch cult movies. Spread the love of these these films that don't get enough appreciation, especially something like Bubba Hotep. Um, yeah. Good night.